Welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, your source of information for living the best years of your life, your way. For more than a decade, host Jim Brogan and his expert guests have come together each week to share important news and advice that can impact the lives and well-being of those who are retired and those nearing retirement. Learn about issues like health and fitness, financial planning, social security benefits, investment advice, and more. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Good morning, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI, and you know, Republicans and Democrats have continued to argue over the next COVID-19 relief bill. And ultimately, they have not been able to agree on a course of action. Of course, we had the CARES Act passed in March. Uh, We've just been spending trillions of dollars. Uh, But, you know, COVID relief is very, very important. And uh, President Trump, therefore, signed an executive order, as you know, a couple of weeks ago to enhance unemployment benefits, create temporary payroll tax holiday student loan relief measures, and an eviction moratorium. So policy changers like these tend to have an effect on the market and the economy, as well as the actions of the Federal Reserve. But these short and long-term changes, especially long-term, are not really fully known. So it's just more proof that we're living through unprecedented times, and no one can predict the future. You know, if there's one thing I know about markets that I think are certain about markets, is that they're unpredictable and they're very volatile. And that's why it's never been more important to keep a close eye on your own retirement plan. While there's no way to predict every scenario that could arise in the next news cycle, you don't have to worry as much with the right kind of plan in place, especially if you understand how that plan has been put together and how you can mitigate the effects of short-term volatility. If your and if your retirement plan was designed with flexibility, you can handle unexpected events. Because one thing's for sure, it's expected that we'll have unexpected events. If that makes sense. So if you're concerned about your financial security, and you want to be better prepared for retirement, you've come to the right place. So here's some of the topics we're going to cover today: how your social security benefit. Uh, is in, indexed to inflation and can it and, and how it is taxed and how might it be taxed in the future. We'll also talk about the financial state of Social Security. We're going to discuss how to make sure you're prepared for the next emergency so you don't make financial mistakes if and when that happens. Why it's important, maybe essential, to, uh, to assess your risk tolerance and your current investment risk in your portfolio, and how you can pursue a long-term tax minimization plan. So first, in this first segment, let's kind of dive into Social Security benefits. You know, Social Security is complicated. You have yearly inflation adjustments, there can be income taxes, and the program's financial state, and really our bigger picture federal debt could all affect Social Security. So let's just walk through the taxation of Social Security briefly. You know, many of you that haven't started drawing your Social Security yet may not be aware that your Social Security benefit can be taxed. And the more you make, the more tax you can end up paying. Now, the maximum that Congress can tax you 
on your Social Security benefit, or the IRS, I guess, under co- rules passed by Congress, is 85%. Now, that doesn't mean an 85% tax. That means 85% of your Social Security income would be subject to ordinary income tax. So let's say, you know, you make, to use an easy number, let's say you had $20,000 in Social Security income in retirement. The most that could be taxed would be 17000 uh, which is eight, 85%. So it would be taxed and added into your ordinary income and taxed as ordinary income. Now, that means that no matter how much money you make, 15% is tax-free. Now, when we look at this, there are different tiers. You know, there's one tier, and they, they look at what's called uh, they look at your um, they look at your income on your tax return, and it's it's a formula that I don't want to get too weeds in too into the weeds today. Uh, but the bottom line is, you know, some of you could have no tax on your Social Security income. Some of you could be taxed up to fifty percent. Uh, up to fifty percent of that income would be taxable, and others up to eighty five percent of your Social Security income could be taxable. So it's tiered. Uh, and it's, they use a formula for what they call provisional income. And again, I'm not going to get into all of that. It is important to understand these thresholds because in the early years of retirement, you might could save money on taxes on Social Security income. Now, uh, I'm going to circle around to this in a minute because uh, just remember that no matter how much you make, 15% of your Social Security income at a minimum is income tax-free. Now then, you can also get a cost of living adjustment. Most years, there is a cost of living adjustment for Social Security beneficiaries. It's intended to keep pace with inflation. However, they did make an adjustment coming out of the Great Recession about 11 years ago. There was an adjustment to the inflation calculation. Now, as an example, in 2019, the cost of living increase was 2.8%. And in 2020, it was 1.6%. But in some years, three years, I think it is, since 2009, the Social Security benefit increase has been zero. So when we go back to the early 70s and look at cost of living increases over that time, you know, they've usually been up over 2% on average. But since 2009, they've been down under 1.5%. And it's estimated that inflation, and this is a very, very important thing, like how much is your inflation benefit going to go up in the future? How much can you expect it to go up? And will that account for inflation? So since 2000, it's estimated, so over the last 20 years, inflation has eroded the buying power of Social Security by a third since the year 2000, largely because benefit increases have not kept up with the increasing costs of prescription drugs, food, and housing. So think about that. If your benefit today is $3,000 a month, that is the equivalent in of two thousand a month, in terms of um, the, the reduction in, in other words, a benefit that was worth three thousand a month in two thousand, in terms of what it would pay for today, it's the equivalent of two thousand. So you've lost a third of your income. 
just due to inflation eroding the power of Social Security income. And I think that's likely to continue to happen in the future. Now, then the financial state of Social Security, the 2020 Social Security report, which came out prior to the pandemic, to the COVID-19 numbers, projected that the fund for retirement benefits will run short in 2034, so in 14 years. According to the report, payroll taxes, which is what funds our Social Security benefits, would cover about 76% of the promised benefits. So in other words, there would be a 24% shortfall in Social Security. But again, these figures were based on data prior to the coronavirus layoffs. So it's unlikely, you know, what does this mean? Don't Please don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not trying to paint a gloom and doom scenario. I am not in the camp of those that try to scare you into thinking that Social Security benefits will go away. Um, even for you younger folks, I don't think Social Security would completely go away. You know, could they, for those under age 50 and maybe even under age 55, could they do something like raise the Social Security age? You know, if they raise the full retirement age to 69 instead of 67 for those that are younger, that alone would solve a lot of the problems with Social Security funding. Okay. Um but for those of you that are already near retirement or retired, what you have to realize is there could, number one, be additional taxation on your Social Security. You know, we already means test your Social Security benefit. The more you make, the more your Social Security income is taxed. But no matter how much you make, 15% is tax-free. Well, do you think that could change in the future? And they could add a tier where 100% of your Social Security income would be taxed, even if you're already 70 or 75, much less 65 or 60. Yes, I absolutely think that's a distinct possibility, is that as your income, they would add new thresholds, and 100% of your income would be fully taxable. That technically, they wouldn't say they're taking Social Security away from you. They're just additional means testing and applying additional income tax. I think that's very likely to happen, which means your Social Security benefit net would go down. And it's unlikely that you'll keep up with the cost of living, as has not happened in the last 20 years. Social Security, as I mentioned, has not kept up with the cost of living. So what does this mean for you? It means Social Security benefits, number one, are likely to continue to provide a good foundation of retirement income. It does underscore the need to maximize, to have a strategy to maximize your Social Security benefit, which has to be planned in tandem with how much income do you need, how much savings do you have. If you're delaying your Social Security benefit, does that mean you would have to draw too much from your life savings? You know, you don't want to gut your savings because you're delaying your Social Security benefit. And there is a big increase in your Social Security benefit if you delay you know, the, the benefit from age 62 to age 70, the difference in the benefit, it increases by over 75%. You know, if your benefit at age 62 is $2,000 a month, at age 70, it's going to be over 70, excuse me, over $3,500 uh, $3, a month. That's quite an increase. But there's, but, but then can you afford to do it? How, how might spousal benefits and widow benefits affect that? 
having an individualized social security strategy is paramount. And then I think it's also more and more important to understand that as you age, more and more of your cost of living adjustments, your inflationary risks are going to have to be covered by your own savings. So again, this makes your income planning and your long-term investment planning critically important because you need long-term growth. And, and we, we all know interest rates are at historic lows. So you can't just put all your money under the mattress. You're worried about short-term volatility. But at the same point, you have to be very, very careful because you need to have long-term growth. So you've got to have this financial plan that can accomplish stability of income in the short term that's not subject to market risk and growth of income in the long term to fight inflation and ultimately market-based investments provide the greatest growth opportunity to fight inflation. So it's very much a balancing act. Now, when we come back, we're going to dive into why taxes could be higher in the future which would then erode more of your net income. Uh, then later in the show, we're going to get into investment risks and income. So stay tuned. We've got a lot of great stuff to cover as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan right here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI. listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. During the week, Jim is a financial advisor, an author and speaker with an MBA from the University of Tennessee who specializes in helping people in or near retirement plan for the next phase of their lives. You can reach Brogan Financial during the week at 865-862-6800 or on the web at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. What is the number one expense you'll ever have over the course of your lifetime? The number one expense. What do you think it is? It's not your mortgage. It's not your house. It's not your health care. Those are the two most common answers that I get. It's not either of those things. Do you know what it is? Overwhelmingly. Like, it's not even close. It's income taxes. Overwhelmingly, you'll pay more in income taxes for most of us, if you're working, of course, than any other expense. And I'll tell you what, I think we're going to have a challenging investment climate for a while, like the next 10 years. That doesn't mean we won't have really good years in the market. We will, but we'll also have bad years. Uh, so I think getting robust returns in your investments are going to be a challenge over the next 10 years because ultimately when this pandemic is behind us, we have to pay for all of this. And the Federal Reserve has put a lot of money into the system that they've got to somehow undo at some point, right? Or, or if they don't, we would see tremendous inflationary issues potentially. So income taxes and a strategy to reduce our income taxes – become more and more critical. Because remember, it's not how much you make, it's how much you get to keep. And so if we pay less in tax, you know, if our investment returns are not as robust, you know, maybe 4 or 5% per year in earnings over the next 10 years might end up being pretty good. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. 
I hope the markets return a lot better than that. But what if I'm right? And we've had, you know, we have decades throughout history that markets don't average, you know, they average less than seven or eight percent per year. Okay. So if we have mediocre returns, getting a boost with your net return because you've paid less taxes is even more important. So let's discuss why your taxes may be higher in the future and what you maybe could do about it now. You know, considering the growing national debt and the expiration of the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act in a few years. You know, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act started with our 2018 tax year. And the personal income side of that, with the reduction in personal income tax, is uh, goes away at the end of 2025. So in other words, for most taxpayers, we have a guaranteed tax increase in 2026, assuming there's no change to the tax code in Congress. So in other words, if there's not an act of Congress, our taxes will go up for that alone. But then we've also got this growing national debt. You know, the, ta- the CARES Act alone cost over $2 trillion. Government debt is over $24 tr- trillion and is expected and could easily rise by the end of the year to be 130 to 140% of the size of our economy. And that's how we should measure our debt, debt to GDP. You know, it's easy to say we owe $24 trillion and we've never owned that, owed that much. You know, but you can't really, that's, that's a little bit of a gloom and doom approach. You can't compare a number like that to a number in the 1970s or the 1950s. For two big reasons. One, cost of living is radically different. And two, the economy's grown a lot. I mean, our economy has naturally grown substantially since the 50s or since the 70s or since the 90s. So looking at our debt relative to our GDP, the size of our economy, is the way we should look at that. Well, last year, the the, the debt to GDP was around 100%, just a little over 100%. By the end of this year, it's expected to be closer to 130 to 140%, depending on what Congress does. It's already up over 120%, so it is skyrocketing. And if we look at historic precedent, we see that increased government spending during World War II, which is somewhat similar to what we're seeing now, taxes rose in the following decades. So how can you take advantage of today's historically tax, low tax rate? Well, one is to consider Roth conversion, especially, you know, you really have an opportunity in that sweet spot between retirement age and age 72. Age 72 is when you have to start taking taxable distributions out of your retirement accounts. So you lose some of that tax control because you're forced to take a taxable distribution. And it's about 4%. It's just slightly less than 4% when you're 72 then in 73, it's just slightly more than 4%. So, you know, if you're in your car, you're at home, you, you know, think of what your retirement accounts are worth. You've got to take out about 4%, and that's taxable. Most of that, if not all of it, is fully taxable. So you're going to lose some control. So if you do Roth conversion in your 60s, if you're not working anymore, and your taxable income is a lot lower, you know, number one, you're paying the tax now in a lower tax bracket than what you'll probably be when you're in your 70s. And you're lowering your required minimum distribution 
in your 70s and 80s because you've converted some of that money to Roth. It also gives you a larger pot of tax-free money to potentially withdraw from if tax rates go way up in the future. So it's a, it's a good hedge for the future of income taxes. You know, you're kind of hedging your bets a little bit. Taxes will go up in 2026. They may radically go up in the future because of paying for all of this coronavirus relief. So you're hedging and creating more tax-free money for down the road. Now, you have to be able to pay the income tax on the Roth conversion. So you, you, in, in a good financial plan, you may not can afford to do a Roth conversion. So be careful with that. It really requires a very thorough analysis to determine if you can afford a Roth conversion. You have to be very careful you don't hit your savings too hard in the early years of retirement. Now, the other is long-term capital gains. Many of you in that sweet spot prior to age 72 may have an opportunity to sell off investments and intentionally create capital gains and pay 0% income tax on those capital gains. We actually do have a 0% tax rate in our tax code, and it's for long-term capital gains, depending on the rest of your earned income. You know, if you're in a 10 or 12% tax bracket, for uh, earned income, any portion of that income uh, that's capital gains is taxed at zero. So, you know, for a married couple, remember, you've got about a $25,000 tax deduction. So that's 80000 of taxable income for a married couple and right at 40000 for a single filer. Well, but then you add in your deduction, 80000 plus $25,000 is $105,000. So in other words, if you have $100,000, $105,000 of taxable income and 15000 of that is long-term capital gain, you get a 0% tax. You don't pay any income tax on that capital gain. So tax planning every year with capital gains, harvesting losses, doing charitable contribution planning, is very, very important, and there are tremendous opportunities. Most of the people that come into our office that are looking to retire and aren't 72 yet or are already retired, we've been able to do dramatic capital gains and Roth conversion tax planning with high net worth people prior to their being age 72, where they can be in very, very low tax brackets and pay ordinary income on Roth conversions of maybe 10 or 12%, or capital gains is zero. Countless amounts of clients that once they're 72, will never they'll be 25% again or higher that, that have large seven-figure retirement account balances. So there are tremendous opportunities to save on income taxes with good planning. We have to be aware of the reality that not only do we have a guaranteed tax increase in 2026, taxes are likely to go up dramatically to pay for all of the COVID relief. There are similarities. It's different, but there are also some similarities to how we had to fund World War II. Now then, one thing I do want to mention is if you have in real estate investment. You know, if you have large holdings in real estate, you may be feeling like you you have the terrible tease of real estate ownership. You're being a landlord and the potential tax trap uh, of, you know, dealing with tenants and dealing with income taxes. 
Well, there are things called Delaware Statutory Trust that can allow you to continue to invest in real estate, but where you're passively invested and you have a diversified real estate portfolio all over the country. So now you don't deal with tenants which is one of the two terrible T's. And you can exchange your local real estate for a diversified real estate trust through this thing called Delaware Statutory Trusts. And it is a 1031 exchange. So you don't have to pay for the income tax at that time. It's just like, you know, it's, it's just like exchanging one real estate for another. So you don't have to get the tax hit, but you can get a diversified real estate portfolio there are many, many options, and you passively own the real estate. So no tax implication up front, no tenant complication as we go along, and then you can sell off bits and pieces as you want to instead of having this large you know, apartment home community that you either sell it or keep it, the whole thing. Now you have fractional ownership in real estate across the country. You have a lot more flexibility. So there are a lot of opportunities to save on the income taxes. Now, I do want to mention, you know, I talked about Social Security in the last segment and maximizing your income, and then we talked about taxes. These are things I cover in great depth in my classes. My next UT class, Financial Survival for Retirement, is September the 15th and the 22nd. And we're offering it live in the classroom, UT's offering it live with all the, the protocol for Knox County and CDC, distancing. Um, I will be wearing a mask teaching the class. Uh, but then we're also offering that same class online virtually. So if you really want to be in person for learning, we can provide a safe, the University of Tennessee can provide a safe environment. But if you'd rather distance learn virtually, the University of Tennessee is providing that platform as well. It's September 15th and 22nd. Those are two successive Tuesday evenings from 6.30 to 8.30. You can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com to find out more information. You can download a syllabus. Um, you can also click to register. Uh, also, if you'd like, you, you can't do that, uh, I'd be happy to give you a complimentary review. And, uh, you know, we can do that virtually with Zoom. I can do that on the phone. You can come into our office, and we're using distance protocols, masks, sterile procedures in our office as well. So we have any kind of solution that we can to give you a review in person, if you like, or virtually. You can go to broganfinancial.com, and you can click. Uh, there's, a, there's a button where you can click to send us an email if you'd like to do. You can always call us as well in our office at 862-6800. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about investing in retirement. How can you have some stability of income amidst volatile market conditions and yet get the long-term growth you need from your investments to fight the effects of inflation, which we discussed some in the first segment? Very, very important. So don't go away as you listen to More Living with Jim Brogan, only on News Talk 98.7 WOKI.
weekly radio show, television news appearances, and adult education classes taught at the University of Tennessee and Pellissippi State Community College. Jim taps into his extensive knowledge and experience to address issues important to living your best retirement. Join Jim every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. here on Newstalk 98.7 WOKI and visit him online at broganfinancial.com. And now, here's the host of More Living, Jim Brogan. How can you create some stability of income amidst volatile market conditions? You know, it's interesting. In the 10 years after the 2008 financial crisis, so starting in 2009, we had a 10-year boom in the stock market. But only 2% of middle-income baby boomers reportedly believed the economy had fully recovered. And 65% did not believe that they had seen any personal benefit from the recovery. Now, that's pretty interesting to me. And I think a lot of that is understanding how you're handling your planning and then being able to track and measure what's going on with your own investments, what's going on in the economy. Are you on track to meeting specific goals and objectives? You know, I think when we invest our life savings, it should be with an outcome in mind. We don't just say, oh, I just want to have more money. I mean, I know we all want that, but we should be thinking about what's the outcome I specifically want to achieve here. So are you concerned about losing your savings in a market downturn and how it would affect your retirement income? How do you draw stable income? You know, you don't want to sell investments when they're down sharply to draw income. Well, then what do you do? So, you know, just hoping for a strong stock market is not a good plan. So market drops right around the time that you retire can have a very significant long-term effect on your wealth. You know, someone retiring into a bear market in the first five years of retirement could see, you know, you could see your portfolio recover as the market does. The problem is you've withdrawn a bunch from your portfolio because you need retirement income. So withdrawing funds while the portfolio loses value can really have a dramatic long-term effect on your success or failure in retirement. Now, this does not mean you can't retire in a bear market. To the contrary. So how, how do you do it successfully if I say you can do it? You know, it's important to understand the concept of time horizon in your investments. It's a fundamental truth of wealth management. When we invest money, how we invest it is very much a measure, a function of when do we need it. You know, if I have a holding that I'm going to need two years from now, let's say I've got a $20,000 investment and I'm going to need it in two years to trade my car. That should not be in, in a stock mutual fund or even a balanced mutual fund that's got stock exposure. It, it, and it really shouldn't be in a traditional bond fund either because traditional bond funds take risk. And when interest rates go up, bonds lose value. So, you know, if I have that $20,000 invested in the stock market, I'm just gambling. I don't know where the market will be in two years. Nobody does. I'm taking a substantial risk that my funds could be, my 20000 could lose money and be down two years from now. 
And one of the key, the key elements of wealth management is not to withdraw funds when they are sharply down. Well, what if I'm down to $15,000? Then I'm going to realize a $5,000 loss, and that doesn't make any sense. Money I need two years from now to buy my car should be invested safely. Now, it's not going to make a lot of money, but it won't lose. You know, it's better to, to, to sit steady rather than lose. So if you're saying, well, I think markets will be good, well, you're just gambling. You know, the shorter the term, the more the stock market is a gamble. If you say, Jim, where will the market be in six months? Might as well roll dice at Vegas. If you say, where will the markets be in eight years? I have a lot of confidence the markets would not be sharply down. If I got on a time machine and flew forward eight years, I have a great degree of confidence that the stock market would not be sharply lower than it is today. It might be sharply lower from where it was in six years, but from today. So it's important to understand time horizons. So what, what that means is when we're retired, we should not be drawing income from investments in the market. We don't want to be selling off investments or, you know, we don't ha- need to, we don't need to sell investments when they're sharply down just to be able to meet our income needs. Because then when we are sharply down and we will be sharply down again at some point, it could be this year, could be next year, could be four years from now. We have bear markets. So that means when we're sharply down, you're going to have to realize law, you're going to have to sell into that market and withdraw money. And that is a recipe for failure in retirement. So instead, you need to have money set aside that can get you through the next minimum five years. So if you say, Jim, I want to retire one year from now, you need a minimum of the first four years of income to be in things that are either protected where they're guaranteed. Now, then you've got to look at who's backing the guarantee or they need to be very, very stable. In other words, you can count on that money being there. It's not in the stock market. And I prefer, especially with the market rally we've had in the last three months, three or four months, I think you should have seven or eight years, ideally, secured or stable sources to withdraw income from so that now you can be a longer-term investor with the risk investments. You know, trying to time the market is not a good strategy. I, I have a lot of people that are concerned right now with the market recovery and the uncertainty of the presidential election and paying for the economic stimulus from Congress and all these things that are saying, well, Jim, I want, I want, you know, I'm scared of the market. Should I just sell out? Well, people have been saying that for the last two or three months. I've had people say that for three or four years since 2017. And the markets just continue to climb. In the short term, it is a crapshoot. And the problem with selling out of the market is when are you going to get back in? You know, even if you time the market perfectly in late February and you sold and got out of the market right before it hit its peak, let's say you got out in the middle of February, right before the coronavirus pandemic hit. Well, then when would you have gotten back in? I, I, nobody was calling to get to, to fully invest back into the market on, on March 21st. When we hit our low point, nobody, nobody thought we had hit the low point of the market and nobody thought the market would recover as quickly as it, as it has. And so then as it started to rebound after March 21st, you'd have been kind of stuck. 
And you'd have been like, well, what do I do? The market's going up. I don't want to invest. So now you'd still be sitting on the sidelines. And then what if it continues to go up? So trying to time the market, it's not just getting out of the market at the right time. It's when do you get back in? And that can be very problematic. But if your market investments are invested where you know you don't have to touch them for seven or eight years, you're not as worried about does the economy truly recover in the fall or next year or in 2023 for that matter? Because you're not, you're not depending on that money until 2027 or 2028. Now, however, it is understand that it is important to understand the cruel math of losses. You know, if you have a hundred thousand dollars and you lose 50%, you now have 50,000. If you have 50,000 and you want to get back to a hundred thousand, what do you have to make on your 50? You have to make 100%. So you lost 50, but you got to make 100% to get back to break even. And the bigger the loss, the, the worse the math is. So cruel math is very, very difficult. So if you need money, if you have a good plan and you need the risk investments in seven or eight years, like I just discussed, well, if you took a 45% dip in the stock market, it may not grow in seven or eight years. So you need to measure your risk tolerance. How much risk are you actually taking? Are you and, and can you afford to take that level of risk based on your income needs and when you'll need to draw from those investments? And do you want to take that level of risk? What is your appetite for losses? I have found that the amount of risk, the amount of growth we want to try to get in our portfolio is very much a function of the risks we're willing to take. How much are we willing to lose in the bad market to make money in the good market? And so it's not only how much risk can you afford to take, it's how much risk do you want to take? So measuring risk and having structured stability of income is critically important. You know, we've talked a lot about important things. Social Security and the cost of living and inflation and how to maximize benefits and the reality of inflation. We've talked about, uh, you know, we've talked about the reality of taxes and how to minimize income taxes over the long haul. We've talked about structuring stability of income. We've talked about having growth for the long term because of inflation. You know, these things are all important. Um, if you don't want to come to a class and you want to come on into my office, either virtually or in person, I would love for you to do that. Give us a call. Now, we I get asked a lot. I, I do want to address this. I get asked a lot, Jim, how much money do I have to have to invest with you, you know, to, to do our comprehensive financial planning? Because that is what we do in our office. All of these things I'm talking about and more. And, you know, our typical clients coming in start at around seven or $800,000 and go up in how they can invest, and then they go up from there. However, we want to help everyone as much as we possibly can if it's a fit. So if you need help, give us a call at 862-6800. It's area code 865. Again, that's 862-6800, or you can visit us online at broganfinancial.com. You can click a button for a complimentary review. We have a, a form you can fill out. If you'd rather come to the class first and get more information and just learn more about this stuff, I would highly encourage you to do it. You can attend virtually or in person at the University of Tennessee, September the 15th and 22nd. You can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com to learn more about that. 
Now, do you have enough cash for the next emergency? Don't go away. We're going to cover that when we come back here on More Living, right here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. for listening to More Living with Jim Brogan. If you miss any of today's show or want to listen to it again, visit broganfinancial.com where you can access the podcast and other educational materials to help you in your journey through retirement. And now, here's Senior Market Advisor Magazine's 2011 National Advisor of the Year and host of More Living, Jim Brogan. Thanks for listening this week to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm Jim Brogan, your host. And do you have enough cash for the next emergency? What is your emergency preparedness? You know, the pandemic has resulted in closed businesses, personal financial disasters. It's ruined retirements for some people. So we can learn important lessons about being prepared for really economic catastrophe. You know, will you have enough money available to carry you through an emergency in retirement? So first, what should your emergency look like? Your emergency fund, you know, your money that's liquid cash at the bank. Now, when you're in your working years, I'm a believer in at least six months of living expenses. If you can have 12 months, that's great. Not six months of income, but six months of living expenses. Uh, And then 12 would be even better. But now in retirement, you're already retired. You're not as worried about losing a job and you lose your earned income. You don't have earned income. So a good rule of thumb to me to start the conversation is 5 to 10% of your investment reserves. You know, your total investment assets – Five to ten percent. Now, if you have a really large investment base, five percent may be too much. And if you have a very small investment base, ten percent may not be enough. I mean, I think all retirees ought to have twenty or twenty-five thousand just in emergency cash. But you know, the thing, the important thing to you know, if you're somebody who doesn't like to have a lot of cash because you know, at the bank because you don't you don't you're not making anything on it. You know, if it's only 5% of your portfolio, that's not going to be enough to really weigh down your performance. So that's why I use that number. But just, you got to have some emergency savings. Now, there also could be instances where you have a hard time getting to cash at the bank. Either there's technology problems, or there could be some other kind of catastrophic disaster. So I think it's important to have cash at your house. You know, at least a few, th- two or $3,000. And not just $100 bills. I think it's important to have 20s and, and lower because, you know, not everybody will take $100 bills. Even in normal circumstances in the economy, it, you might have a hard time going into a gas station and using a $100 bill. So have some $20 bills and some $10 bills if you want, but definitely not all $100 bills. So I think all that's important. Also, do you have backups for all your electronic data and information? You know, it, it, having that information handy, you know, knowing where your financial backup information is electronically is important. So uh, we have a guide for that, actually, uh, and it's put out by the National Ethics Association. 
we'd be happy to share that guide with you. If you want to email us at info, I-N-F-O, info at broganfinancial.com, we'll be happy to send you that guide on how to back up your financial documents electronically. Uh, or you can call us at 862-6800. Now, then you also don't want to sell investments. So I talked about that in the first segment, you know, or, or in the last segment, having structured income that's more fixed. You know, there's an old saying, you don't want to take a fixed investment, a fixed income from a variable, variable investment. So all those things are important. Are you prepared for the next emergency? Do you have written down where you're all, all your stuff is located? If you need to get to it in a pinch, all that's important. You know, today we've discussed a lot of very important financial information, taxes, social security, inflation, budget debt with the government, uh, covering income needs in a volatile market. All these things are critically important. We've discussed your wealth because greater wealth provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. Thank you, Chris, running the board. Thank you, Jill, producing the show. Please check us out online at broganfinancial.com. You can call up, follow us for more information so you can make prudent decisions that can impact the quality of life. Thank you for listening. This is More Living with Jim Brogan on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.